Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I've got my fudge brownie milkshake here and that's really going to clag me up and not help. So I should probably have some water instead. But, you know, the starts we mean to go on. Let's do a podcast. Hello and welcome to In The Pocket, the bass guitar podcast where we get the lowdown on the low end. My name's Johnny, a totally average bass player, and each week I'm joined by a different co-host to talk all about that bass. So this week I am joined by the incredible multi-instrumentalist solo artist, bass player for Dave Simpson Trio YouTuber and freshly announced Anderton's TV presenter, Oh my gosh, can I fit any more accolades into this <laughs> sentence? I don't know if I can. It's Karina Powell, aka CC Bass. CC. Hello. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Amazing. It's so good to have you on here. Um, we were, you know, talking just briefly before hitting that big red record button, saying congratulations on I'm sure many or every listener of this podcast will be aware of Anderton's <laughs> and the, the shows that are on there uh, and will you know have now seen you on there because the you I could get my words out come on Johnny I'm just so starstruck that's the problem um, <laughs> I have the same uh, problem <laughs> um, because those that don't know or the CC is now one of the co-presenters on the Sounds Like series. This has gone away since COVID and has come back with a vengeance. Absolutely. Uh, and you are, you know, letting us hear all those low end uh, tones on the, on the, on that show, which is, which is awesome. It's so good to see it back and oh, seeing the reception of that video uh, has been yeah. great as well. Really, I know, really I'm, cool. I'm really amazed by it. And uh, I'm just, it, it really is a massive honor to be able to, to be doing it and it was totally unexpected like it was just I got this message out of the blue and I didn't know if it was real or not and I kind of had a bit of a freak out and I was like yes yes I'll do it and then immediately <laughs> after I was like oh my god can I even do this <laughs> you said I, yes before anyway, thinking about it like. yeah well I kind of did a similar thing a few years ago where someone asked me if I could deaf on guitar and I said yes and I didn't play guitar. So that's <laughs> how I became a multi-instrumentalist. <laughs> um, like, I wouldn't say yes to anything I genuinely didn't think I could do. So I have enough knowledge about my ability and how what kind of time scale I can learn stuff in. So I knew that mm. I'd be able to do it, uh, especially already playing bass. It's so I knew that I could get a grasp on it, but it was just like, but right, I better actually go and properly learn guitar then for this. And it was all fine. So it worked out well. Well, that means that you could officially add that accolade to your, you know, to your title being a multi-instrumentalist. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, I, I was I was going to ask what other instruments are in there, you know. I was expecting uh, yeah, you have a um, pro glockenspiel player. Of course, yes. Uh, I do have a xylophone behind me, you know. 
Wow. Wow. Wait, no, but, that almost um, beats my triangle. <laughs> but in all, no, in all seriousness, uh, bass is my main instrument and is my first love. I mean, absolutely love it. But I do play guitar, drums, and a tiny bit of keyboard, although I've not delved into that quite so much, but I can kind of get around on it. But yeah, yeah. bass is kind of where I feel I can express myself the most because that's kind of where my heart lies. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's, that's the same as me. Like I've, I play, you know, not quite the same as me. <laughs> I, I play a little <laughs> bit of guitar, but then yeah. Yeah, bass is just where, and, and guitar is where it started for me, but then bass is where I really found myself. And uh, yeah. it's just what, what my whole personality is based around now, pardon the pun. Um, That's really cool, though. I like yeah. that. Um, so, each week we like to get to know our guests a little bit better um, by asking them three uh, quick-fire questions at the start. Um, so let's kick things off uh, with three words that you would use to describe your bass playing. Right, okay. So, furious has probably got to be number one. <laughs> um, it's the word that I'm other people have used to describe it as well so I thought why not it's quite fitting and I kind of agree uh not just in the tone of it although it's quite an aggressive sound but also because when I play I really like to dig in like I don't like to baby the instrument unless the song requires it um because the pickups in a lot of my basses because I dig in so hard they've actually got gouges out of them and uh, <laughs> yeah, so wow rock and roll <laughs> yeah furious certainly seems to be a good word for it so number one uh number two is probably percussive because i tend to use quite a lot of muted notes and i like to kind of add that extra rhythm in especially because i do some solo bass stuff as well it's nice to kind of have that extra rhythm sound as well in there but uh again because i play quite aggressively you also get that percussive sound of my fingers hitting the strings and the pickups and stuff like that so Number two. Uh, number three is melancholic because there's kind of a weird Jekyll and Hyde thing going on with my bass playing where there's that really <laughs> furious, aggressive side. And then there's the really melodic, uh, chilled outside with uh, songs like Moth and things like that, where it's a really kind of ambient, melodic sound. And a few people have said it's quite melancholic. And I thought that was quite a good word to describe it because Apparently the note choices are quite, uh, well, yeah, melancholic basically just <laughs> describes it, pretty much sums it up. And uh, it, the percussion is kind of the bridge between furious and melancholic. So it kind of all ties in together. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I love those three. I think they, they work together in such a symbiotic way. It's really nice. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, it's actually one that I think in the first episode of this that I used for my playing as well. I might be wrong really? about that, but it rang a bell then. I was like, yeah, because I totally know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, in like the muting of the notes and like the ghost notes are almost, almost yeah, the add, cool. add this whole extra, uh, almost like an extra rhythm, you know, to a layer yeah. to your playing. Um, and it's you know essential when essentially you're blending in with a drummer as well in those situations. Yeah, exactly. So that, yeah, that's great. Furious, excellent adjective. That's Thank perfect. You. you know, uh, I'm I'm <laughs> also a, a furious pick player, and I've got pick in my hand right now because oh, you know, I'm, I'm obsessed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I can't uh, if I'm playing through a big loud rig. It's a big loud rig for a reason. I'm going to play yeah, it big exactly. and loud. You know, exactly. Yeah. Um, and melancholic. Mel- I'm going to struggle to say that word, so I'm just going to say melon. Melon. Wow. Melon. Bass playing is so sweet and melon. 
like it. <laughs> Incredible. I love those. Um, the next one, I think, could be a tricky one for you because I know you've got a you've got a lot of instruments uh, mm. in that room of yours there. Um, and it's what would you consider? And you know, you might have to cover up some of the ears of your of your bass player. In fact, what are the ears <laughs> of the bass? What are the ears? Uh, is that? Is it the tuning pegs? I, that it... was my first instinct yeah. as well. Or or maybe it's like the little hole over the um over the truss rod or the uh, top at the top. You just put your finger in that. there. Or it could yeah, be the strap button either side. Oh, hang on. We're being really silly about this, aren't we? Because <laughs> is is it is the pickups the ears because they that's where the sound <laughs> goes in. It that's probably is. But or is that the mouth? I don't know. This is a really weird this could be a whole separate podcast, to be honest. The ears and the mouth. Base anatomy. <laughs> I describe my uh, bass playing uh, like the mouth. <laughs> I play the mouth <laughs> in the ears. Um, sorry, I, I digress. Um, what would you consider to be your number one bass? Yeah, that is an extremely tough one, and it's gotten even tougher over the last uh, two weeks because I've gained a very, very important bass to my collection. So, for the longest time, it's been the Ibanez Soundgear SR700 and the Anaconda Crusher CXE4. And I still absolutely adore them. They're both amazing bases. And then recently I picked up the Schecter Exotic P4, which is probably the clearest sounding bass I've ever heard. Like, there's not a single frequency missing. And it's how I would describe the other two bases I mentioned in that it feels like me as a bass. Like, it really feels like uh, a part of that- me. Yeah, it's, it's that, that extension. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So really, really difficult to pick uh, between those three. I'm, I'm not actually sure if I could. But <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to put you in that done. position. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say for now, the Schecter. Because, again, I've just got it and I'm absolutely in love with it. And it is an amazing base. But on a, pretty much a par is the Ibanez and the Anaconda. So, nice. difficult awesome. Yeah, I'm. I'm very sorry to put you in that. And you're you're <laughs> an and you're an, an, an anaconda anaconda artist as well. I you? am. Yeah, yeah. And very proudly yeah. as well. I mean, they're absolutely gorgeous instruments. Um, Andrew, yeah. the guy who makes them, is just an amazing luthier, and he puts so much time and care, and he really communicates with you when he's building the bases. So, yeah, massively recommend them. Incredible. Awesome. Well, if he wants to pay to, I'm going to bleep that all out unless he pays me. So, uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, of course. Uh, that that sounds awesome. And and that Schecter, oh my god! It, you know, when I saw those advertised online when they first announced them, I was like, eh, you know, oh, they're pretty cool. Like, oh, they look okay. Um, and then seeing them in person, it was actually um seeing yours when you post about it that flicked that switch in my head, and I was like, oh. That, really oh my god that's a bit of me yeah absolutely <laughs> when i was like oh my god like i i'm a big Schecter fanboy yeah um i've owned a couple and they've always just been fantastic i think like my third ever base was a third yeah yes uh was a Schecter model t um which is like the passive seymour duncan loaded pj base yeah. um and yeah, that thing was insanely good and i was an idiot for selling it oh. um and yeah, that that looks like that, but on steroids, you know. Yeah, <laughs> the know roasted exactly maple what you neck. Mean. Yeah, yeah, and because it's active, that one isn't it as well? It is. Yeah. Um, yeah. That... Yeah, it's just I love everything about it. So 
couldn't ask for yeah. any more in a base really yeah, yeah i i always tell people like if they're try, thinking about trying out a different brand try schecter and because people just go oh well, it's only for metal and you're like i know well it is great for that but no like it, it can do yeah they're just fantastic. it does everything yeah literally yeah. absolutely oh, oh oh i'm very jealous anyway i'm <laughs> I gotta, I gotta shake that, otherwise I'll be annoyed with you the entire podcast. A <laughs> very nice base. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm having to cover it up behind me. So, <laughs> yeah, so, so, so I don't. It's giving me the eye over the camera. It's, <laughs> it's very inappropriate. Um, all right. The the third question is, uh, why, why did you pick up the base? So it's a bit of a strange answer, but it was Paul Gray from Slipknot. So I was browsing YouTube when I was about. 11 and i came across a video just by chance of paul gray from slipknot teaching duality on bass and at the time i didn't actually know what bass was and i thought it was pronounced bass <laughs> so <laughs> i was watching a video and the seconds that i saw him play it i was like whoa i, I want that that's exactly what i want to do so it's one of those questions where there is an answer but there's not necessarily a reason I could give that why it was the bass. I'm not yeah. sure what it was, but no instrument I'd ever looked at had captured me quite like that one because I'd always been a massive music fan, but I didn't obviously know too much about what went into it, like uh, instrument-wise. So discovering that, it was like something clicked in my head and it was like I, I was meant to do it, if that makes any sense. Yeah, so, I, that's, that's like the most spiritual answer I think I've had on it. You know, <laughs> it just came to me. I love it. I do oh, think awesome. um, everything happens like kind of as it should. I always think if something's supposed to happen, then it will. And if something doesn't happen, even if you really wanted it to, then it probably wasn't meant to happen. And even if it had, it wouldn't have been what you wanted it to be. So mm. I always think it's just really good to kind of listen to what the universe is trying to tell you and also what music is telling you when you play and all spiritual stuff like that that sounds all uh, weird but kind of is a big part of my playing so not at all like I, I totally get it and I, I kind of get that feeling as well when you when you, even when you pick up a bass and sometimes you can't explain why it feels so right and you're yeah. just like damn I just connect with this instrument mm. um but yeah that that's that's awesome to hear and I love that it was like a specific player that you're like yeah that's that's it that's what I want to do yeah um so I'm guessing you're a big Slipknot fan then I yeah I absolutely love Slipknot um because I always remember there's a quote that Corey Taylor said after Paul unfortunately passed away which was uh anyone who met Paul even if they didn't know it at the time he changed their life forever and <sighs> although I never met him he certainly did change my life forever because I don't even really know what I was doing before I played bass. So yeah. that statement is oh, still wow. really true. Wow, that is so strange, but like amazing. You know, I can just imagine your face when you read that, like being like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> that's yeah, me. Corey, have you been, do you know me? <laughs> wow, awesome. Oh, well, I love that. And I love that it started out as bass as well. Like, yeah, because most people, myself included, was like, "Yeah, I did guitar, and then I wasn't very good, so then I played the bass." You know, <laughs> but but you're you're you know started off as it, which is really cool. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, oh, thank you. Let's move on 
to our first question. Question one comes from, oh, by the way, I always do this up top. Questions. If you head over to my Instagram at Johnny Dibble, you can submit your questions on a poll right there. It's kind of a blink and you'll miss it thing. Maybe we'll change how we get in the questions, uh, but I quite like the sporadic nature of it. So head over to my Instagram, follow me on there. That is where you can submit your questions for this podcast. The poll normally goes up on a Sunday or a Monday night. All right. So just keep an eye out like these wonderful people that have submitted questions. I just want to say off the top, your questions this week have been off the wall. They've been, I struggled to like put the best ones together for this week because they're all really good. Um, So yeah, I'm definitely going to hang on to some in the bank uh, for a couple of, in a couple of weeks time. But yeah, question one uh, comes from uh, Calamod Music, uh, who says, what bass do you want to love, but just can't? Uh, He says for him, it's a stingray. So the first thing we need to do is uh, ban Callum from ever uh, watching (laughs) any of my content or or listening to this podcast or interacting with any human ever again, because how dare you? Um, No, that's fine. It's all personal preference at the end of the day. Um, So yeah, Callum doesn't really like stingrays. Um, Cece, what what jumps to mind to to your brain for you on this one? So I know this is possibly going to be a bit controversial, but hear me out because I have a very good reason. So for me, it's jazz bass, like mostly any style, any make of that style. I don't tend to get on with because they've got that kind of melty body shape and (laughs) (laughs) for lack of a better way to describe it. And the, I've got a, this thing called scoliosis, so there's a curve in my spine. And I always find that because of the shape of the body and where it makes the bass sit on me, it never feels fully comfortable to play. I always feel like I'm kind of battling to keep it in the right place. And that is certainly a me problem rather than the bass problem. But unfortunately, it kind of makes jazz basses a bit uncomfortable to play. So that's what springs to mind for me. But uh, there's been yeah. the occasional jazz bass, which is extremely lovely and I've fallen in love with. But as a general rule, they're kind of a bit of a no-go for me. Well, I think that perfectly answers the question. It's once you want to love, but but just can't, you know, and that's not because you're like, no, they're just gross and I just don't get them. Um, that's fair enough. I It's funny. I wouldn't have. It's so strange. Like, I wouldn't have thought that the, the, the difference in the jazz bass shape compared to a P bass would have that effect. Yeah. But I guess it's so subtle. But actually makes a big big difference yeah i think it's because they sit kind of you have to kind of sit with the neck forward and okay it kind of goes against what my back allows me to do if that makes any sense yeah yeah no absolutely cool well, that's really well <laughs> maybe a flying v base is the one you know, <laughs> i do have on one knee. i have no one. oh it's, my yep. gosh it's in i would show you but no one can see it it's in the background <laughs> <laughs> wow I'm very, you know, it just instantly jealous. You're going to have to have a green screen, you know, if, I know. <laughs> from now on. So I just can't see anything behind you because it, it just makes <laughs> me want to go and buy more bases. I, I've actually got a, a space on my rack um, up here. Ah. Oh, oh, no, I, I do. I do. I do. It's okay. Is it, it's um, actually, the what? space is here. 
Is it a flying V-shaped space? <laughs> I think it might be. Um, <laughs> no, I think it might be a Thunderbird-shaped space, actually, ah. um, because that's what I'm tempted by at the minute. Um, and, you know, that Epiphone Gibson family is where my answer actually comes into this, because this, again, is going to controversially upset a lot of people. The base that I would like to love, but uh, overall just can't, is the SG. Um, I love SG guitars. I, I think they look and sound fantastic, especially like the like almost like brown walnut ones. You know, not not the classic red cherry, maybe, but like I think and the black ones. I think they look fantastic and you know sound amazing. The basses, I am. There's just something wrong. It's like a Les Paul bass. They just look a bit wrong to me with like a long scale. I don't know what it is. Um, I'm, I don't really love the the sound either. I know um, it's very like Marmite with those. It's either mm. you think they're the best thing in the world or you're like, no, that's not for me. And for me, I like that high-end clang playing with a pick. So they're a bit muddy sounding for me. I've, like, I like They just don't tickle my pickle <laughs> really um and there have been occasions when i've been like oh but this actually this one looks pretty good i think there was a chicago music exchange exclusive one recently that was like this really cool flame top one and i was oh, like wow yeah i know and i was like yeah <laughs> i lo- <laughs> i love that that looks so good but i know in practicality it just it just yeah work for me. i um, i have to kind of agree with you on that as well i've never been the biggest fan of sg bases so i totally get where you're coming from with that one as well yeah i i i could see you were like like kind of waiting to say <laughs> something and i was like oh no i've either really upset you by saying that. i thought you're gonna whip out like three yeah, sg totally bases and be like <laughs> just, just, cc has left the chat <laughs> oh no well, that, that would have been, you know, that'd be a monumental occasion on the podcast is just someone to storm out. Uh, so feel free to at any point. Make the okay, I might just do it just because you've given me the option. So. Yeah, any any slight thing that annoys you from now on. <laughs> gone. gone. Um, yeah, it's SG. For, I, for me, now, I, if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have upset a lot more people <laughs> uh, because I would have been a Rickenbacker. Um, because I never used to get on with them. I, I thought you were going to leave then. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not um, at all. <laughs> uh, I never, you know, I, I just didn't get the sound. I didn't, I just hated the way that they looked. Now it's like a 180. I The the look of them now, I'm like, yeah, I definitely want one one day. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe like a natural one or like an all black one or something. Mm. I'm like, oh, give it to me now. Um, and it's so strange how opinions can just change so much. I know. Um, it's weird because I had a similar thing with P bases where I was kind of like not really that bothered about them. And then yes. in the last uh, year, since last year, I've gained three of them just by <laughs> right place, right time and just finding yeah. some that I fall in love with. And now I absolutely love P bases. Um, but again, like with Rickenbackers, I love the way they look and I love the sound. But I've not found one yet that has felt particularly comfortable for me to play personally. So again, I, I know where you're coming from with that one. But yeah, and it, that's so. I was, you know, I was going to ask you, oh, have you had anything you've gone 180 on? And I'm exactly the same with the P bass um, because years, like, well, probably like 
three or four years ago, I was like, why would you, why, who would choose a PB? It's so boring. Like, why would you want that over maybe a PJ? But why would you choose that over a jazz bass? I always used to think like, <laughs> oh, it just doesn't have that same sound. And of course yeah. it doesn't because the P bass sounds incredible <laughs> by itself. <laughs> um, it's just this, I mean, we're, you know, I'm not saying anything revolutionary here, tre- treading old, old ground, but it's, it's just that warm, um, punchy mid-range that you get from a p bass that just fits in so many genres and so many mixes so easily i i get it i get it you know and not until i heard someone playing one in a tone that i thought like holy moly that sounds good and i know why it's that p bass you know it's not some pedal or or their amp that's (laughs) that's the p bass i can hear there that distinct mid-range it is Um, it's really uh recognizable isn't it yeah, absolutely. And there's a reason why it hasn't changed a whole lot. And and I've discovered that I love simplicity in yep. setups and in basses. Like I kind of, I'm a pedal guy, so I quite like having preamps and compressors and, and effects on my board and then the bass to be passive and quite minimal. I say that, I've, I've got active basses. It, but It's funny that you say that as well, because again, I started on active basses, so I've always been used to kind of having like three band EQ and pickup blend and all sorts on there. And in the last kind of year or so, I've gotten more simple because, again, like you, I absolutely love pedals. So I tend to get a lot of the sound from that and then just kind of leave the bass where it is. So I've kind of found that I don't tend to use the uh, three band EQ nearly anywhere near as much as I used to so again another thing I've kind of done a bit of a 180 on but I still love having the option just like knowing that I've got bases that if I need that I can do it but I'm just it's not a necessity for me anymore yeah absolutely sometimes you know less is more as they say but um yeah when when you've got um uh like it always adds more character when a base can do one sound and then yeah. you're like you're inspired to play a certain way on it to get a certain sound out of it yeah. or adapt your playing to get a different sound out of it. So if exactly. you've got like an insanely diverse bass, sometimes it's to its detriment because you're like, I know exactly oh, what I... you mean. Yeah, yeah. So it, it almost uh when you've when you've got something that has constraints, it forces you to think in a different way and kind of push the boundaries of what you can do to get out of those constraints. And I think that can only ever improve you as a player so yeah 100%. very good point yeah absolutely the um and uh and i wish i fa- i knew that sooner because so many mm. times i'd be like i'm not very good because my gear's not very good and i need better <laughs> gear and i need this eq and this and this when actually you don't at all um yeah. i just need to learn to adapt a bit more yeah um but yeah uh awesome ah so good um thank you i, th- I think we answered that question pretty well and then some let's move on to the next segment. This is the news. Um, I love the news. There's always people who are like, what news for bass guitar? What are you talking about? There's news every week or every two weeks when we do this podcast. Um, and I'm going to start it off with um, a bit of, we're going to start on a downer. Um, so one actually one of my one of my favorite bands, um, Dance Gavin Dance, uh, who've been going for a long time. Um, they announced recently that uh their long serving bass player Tim uh has has passed away. And uh 
yeah, it sucks, man. That was that was a big hitter for me. Uh, I really like that band, have done for years. Um, and the bass was always something that really stands out in that band. You know, such technical guitar playing and high vocals and really intense screaming. And the bass glued it all together and, and, and shone in its own right. And so much of that was because of Tim and his, you know, awesome array. We, we'd spoken a couple of times on Instagram about bass tones and stuff like yeah. that and stuff on his upcoming album. And like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so gutted, man. I, they haven't said how he's uh, passed away, but, um, yeah, it, it's, it's really, really sad. And it's, it's one of those ones that like a celebrity death where it like, like shakes you a little bit and you're like oh oh no you know yeah um the the last feeling yeah yeah absolutely the last feeling i had of that was when carrie fisher died and i was like oh my god you know um so yeah it uh, yeah it absolutely sucks and uh um and in a way i mean it's absolutely awful but as someone who didn't know the band I'm not going to pretend that I was a fan and I knew of him, but I knew of him through this and his legacy is kind of living on because now I'm starting to discover them. So if there's any kind of silver lining, at least he'll kind yeah. of live on through the people that hear his stuff and that he's inspired. So yeah, but yeah. absolutely. Because the, you know, um, they just did a whole, um, they do their own festival dance, Gavin Dance, called mm. Swan, Swan Fest, because um, their guitarist is called Will Swan. Um, and it's all like similar kind of bands that are, are on that lineup. Uh, and the whole thing, this is like days before the festival, um, and the whole thing's dedicated to him. Mm. Their whole backdrop was him, you know, and so it's really raised awareness for all these people. And uh, so that, yeah, like you say, his, his yeah. legacy really will live on even even more so so yeah rest, yeah. rest in peace Tim uh you will be missed um anyway let's get on with the podcast shall we <laughs> um so on with the news um oh, God, loads more releases uh, this week which is really exciting so just after I finished recording last week's podcast because of course great timing uh Harley Benton uh good friends over at Toman dropped their new range of bases uh I say new range it's just like two versions of a bass with four and five strings uh <laughs> but i was shocked about these um I'm, i cannot remember the name of them because it's all like letters and numbers and i stuff know and I'm they're, they're, they're doing a real i they're doing a real ibanez they are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll try and get it up on my phone whilst we're talking but they're kind of inspired by um some old school arias apparently um, ah, which I wasn't okay. I wasn't familiar with until um, until somebody said that in the comment section because I was like yeah you know Harley Benton they you know let's not beat around the bush they rip off other designs um, or copy <laughs> other designs should we say that's that's the one that's the one we should say isn't it yeah well done um, so I was like what is this what is it's not a it's not a ripper or a grabber so I'm a bit yeah. upset so what what is this um, and yeah it was this aria and. They don't look. They look okay. These bases. Um, I don't love like the shape of the horns. The top yeah. ones a bit too long for me. I, I mean, have you seen these? Uh, I have seen them, but only today. So uh-huh. my first first kind of time seeing them, and I wasn't blown away. But I've not played yeah. one, so I can't pass judgment on what it's actually like as a base. 
But yeah, no, yeah. Me, me neither. Um, I, I've played Harley Benton's before and, you know, mm. for the prices, they are insane. Um, yeah. But what's interesting about this and because I thought, you know, they're bringing out new bases. Prices have gone up across the world. This is mm. going to be a three to four hundred pound base. They are drum roll. The four strings, one hundred and sixty four pounds. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I know. Yeah. I'm like, how on earth? Have they done this? And it's roasted maple necks all round. Oh, wow. Four strings, five strings. Um, act there. I think, believe they're active. In fact, I didn't know that. I think they're active. Yeah, they're active. They've got... Um, wow. Yeah, hang on. What's going on here? Because we've got uh, we've got three... I'm just looking at a picture of the four string. We've got three knobs on there. Oh, hang on. Oh, it's a stacked knob. It's a stacked <laughs> knob. Okay, okay. Oh, I'm guessing... Take ah god damn it uh, <laughs> damn. i'm guessing that that's gonna be volume volume and then like a two band preamp then yeah I'm assuming um so yeah oh that's so that's even more for, more for your money yeah, that's have, crazy have you noticed um roasted maple necks seem to be becoming the kind of standard oh like absolutely so many uh instruments guitars and basses seem to have them now so i wouldn't be surprised if that becomes rather than just maple if that becomes the standard yeah absolutely because i wonder how much you know it adds so much value but i wonder how much like how much does it cost them to turn yeah. into roasted maple really but it adds mm. so much like the you know we've both got the sire p5 uh, yeah and oh my god incredible neck oh my god um such a good neck um and and that Schecter also has roasted maple mm. i yeah, we were all waiting for Harley Benton to jump on this. Squire have been doing it now as well. Um, and yeah, it is definitely becoming like the thing. It's been in for a while. In fact, yeah. two of my bases, oh my God, just did this accidentally. <laughs> just got devil horns up accidentally. Look at them. <laughs> um, two of my bases up here, uh, I've got roasted maple necks. And uh, hmm. have you got Have you got two now? I do, yeah. Um, I've got a guitar as well that's got a roasted maple neck, if that counts. Uh, yeah, it's just the two. No, it doesn't I... count. Get ri- get rid of it now. Yeah. <laughs> Burn it. <laughs> but yeah, I've got the Schecter and the Sire. But like you say, the Schecter, uh, the Sire's neck. Oh my god! Sometimes I want to pick up the bass just to feel the neck. It's a bit yeah, ridiculous. In... Honestly, like so, the I've got the Sterling's Ray Thirty Four. That one is uh, yeah. the roast maple neck, and that's like a thou- over a thousand pound new. The mm. size like four hundred newish, um, yeah. and the the neck. I'm gonna say it, the neck on the size is much better because of the rolled fretboard edges. Yeah, like now it's one of those things that now I've got it. I I, I get disappointed picking up any other yeah. bass because I'm like, oh, it's not quite the same. That, that's the, my first experience with a bass with a rolled edged neck. So now, yeah. So now I'm like, oh, I like that. Oh no. <laughs> Yeah, but, yeah, and now you're like, oh, what other manufacturers do that for yeah. an affordable price? Oh, wait, none. <laughs> I know. Unless Harley Benton, do- oh my god, our, oh my god, can you imagine our Harley Benton <laughs> doing it with this? I highly doubt it, but that would uh, it doesn't it doesn't say anything about it, so I'm going to assume not. Um, back to the Harley Benton's then. Uh, so we've got PJ configuration and uh, just a, a single single with a jazz bass kind of configuration um fours and five strings across the board a range of different colors as well i quite like the colors i, I i'm digging the white ones that they're doing which is a bit like a kind of transparent finish cool. 
yeah, I'm into that. But um, I, I just can't really get over the body shape myself. Mm. It just doesn't really do it for me. It's a um, bit but hey, spiky. Exactly. Um, and and spiky works in some places, but when yeah, it's definitely. like curvy and <laughs> yeah, when it's coming like up towards the neck, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of it. But. No, I'm not either. But but hey ho, um, I'm hope I'm you know exclusive for the podcast maybe in this you know who knows from if this is even going to happen but i'm in talks with them to give me one <laughs> so <Wow>. fingers crossed <laughs> after slagging him off on here of course um no <laughs> I, I, I hate them give me one <laughs> yeah <laughs> i want to I'm bully it on my channel <laughs> <laughs> give me them um, one in every color all i said to them was um all press is good press any press you know bad press is good press so there you go <laughs> let me do my worst um no no i'm, sh- I'm sure it sounds great and feels great because it's yeah. you know harley benton they've got a reputation for being affordable and mind-blowingly good for that price so you know I- i'll hold all judgments until i can hopefully get my hands on one uh but yeah 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 are they exciting i don't know let let us know reach out and uh either leave a comment or or drop me a uh instagram message on on whether you're excited about these things because i'd be interested to see the public's opinion because i don't know why they're just not giving us a grabber <laughs> come on <laughs> um anyway I'll, I'll, I'll keep screaming that to the end of time um uh moving on to news all new bases uh gibson have released a new signature base a thunderbird for gene simmons uh gene obviously being the bass player for kiss uh He's had previous uh, signatures or, you know, you, you're probably associating with the Axe bass that he's had before. Mm. Going a bit more standard now with the Thunderbird. Um, have you seen this one? I have, yeah. I think it looks really cool. Um, and I think if you're a Kiss fan, it's absolutely awesome. I think it's a great kind of thing to have if you've got the money. But. Yeah. I've never been a massive Kiss fan or massive Dean Simmons fan, so I'm not particularly excited about the base but i think it looks cool yeah I, I i tend to agree to be honest like i obviously i'm i'm a bit of a sucker for traditional looks when it comes to guitars yeah. like um i don't really like anything too modern or wacky looking unless it with exceptions but so the axe base you know is never something that i'd ever be <laughs> interested in uh, and i'm not a kiss fan either or yeah. a gene simmons fan so you know that that it doesn't hold any value for me in that regard mm. um but it, it looks good there was a prototype that they launched previously which was the same really? base but with yeah but with red instead of like the binding ah. um, and like the mirror scratch plate it was all red yeah and, i think i saw a picture of that one yeah i, I uh, thought it looked it, cool but i it, think it they would made suit your fun. hair and aesthetic very well <laughs> it would wouldn't it finally <laughs> someone who thinks my hair's red everyone calls it pink but it's red Oh really? I... Yeah. Wow. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, I think it's an awesome base to match some awesome hair. You know, that's the way to Thank do it. Thank you very much. Um, with um, with that Gene Simmons base, it's got that mirror plate on there, which <laughs> it, I I kind of want a mirror plated base somehow just to blind yeah. someone. Um, <laughs> that's or just my to be first that thought. Guy. Yeah, when I see them, <laughs> I always think, how many people can I blind with this? Yeah, <laughs> just across the stage. <laughs> ah! People in the front row yeah. got their eyes burned out. <laughs> My retinas coming out with 
coming out with everybody need glasses and i'm like ha, join the <laughs> yeah. club now you know what it's like um yeah it's it's the other thing about that base is it's horrendously expensive of course it's yep. a gibson it's a signature it's like three grand i, I know that i don't it's a, surely it's only collectors and massive fans that are buying these bases. Like, yeah. is there much point in making a production run of an artist's space if it's not accessible? I, I know. It, I don't weird, understand that. There's been no. a few uh, released in the last kind of six months that I've thought the same thing about. Not strictly bases, but so many instruments. And it's like, no one can actually buy these except collectors. So the people who they would technically be made for who would absolutely love and cherish the instrument can't have them and it seems yeah. like a really backwards unfair thing to me but yeah and i always like in my mind of imagination because this would never happen but if i was like oh if if i were to have a signature bass and you know and fender were interested i'd be like no let's do a squire like yep I love affordable instruments and always yeah. an advocate for like, you don't need to spend loads of money. You can, you know, do great things on, especially nowadays, you know, yeah. you can do great things and actually, you know, become a better player because of it as well. If you have an affordable instrument and definitely if you're I'm... paying two grand, you're not going to be that much. It's not that much better, you know? Than... Yeah, exactly. I'm of the exact same opinion. And it's funny you say that because I've always thought on the off chance I ever did get, some kind of uh signature base i would want it to be affordable because it's kind of i feel like it i wouldn't feel good about not giving something back to the people that had kind of got me there if that makes any sense absolutely and I, I, I know how much it means like as someone who likes things like that i know how much it can mean to own things like that so i would want people to be able to have that yeah and i know i i guess I guess they kind of got to look at it from the point of like, right, Kiss fans, Gene Simmons, this this isn't going to be kids necessarily. That although it could be, you know, you never know. But um, I I don't know why Squire have really stopped doing signature bases. Like Mm. I can't think of the last one that they did. Um, And and racking my brain now, I'm like, is there still one in production? I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, But like. But um, Pete Wentz, when his was, you know, insanely popular, mm-hmm. uh, and he said, like, why well, I want kids to be able to have this and, like, yep. be able to get hold of it and, and play it and, and start playing music. So why would I want to have this crazy expensive one that no yeah. one can buy? And, and um, since then, I've been like, yeah, makes so much exactly. sense. Exactly. Uh, I was going to mention that as well. So great minds yeah. and all that. <laughs> you know it. You know it. Um, so... <laughs> Moving on to even uh, more expensive bases. Um, and actually, I'm not sure about the price of this base, but I... um, it, knowing what you're going to say, it's not much better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I will look up the price in a second, and my jaw's probably going to drop to the floor um, because it, Joe Dart has another new signature base or a second version of signature base. Um, you might have seen. Yeah, I think it was last year now, um, the, the Joe Dart signature Music Man Stingray. Awesome looking, uh, really simplified Stingray with um, just all like a wood, like a woodish finish. I don't know on, on the specific woods he's got. I assume it's a maple body, maple neck, uh, this white pickup. And he did a short scale, a couple of different colors, single volume knob. And that was it. Um, and, you know, Joe Dart is a phenomenal player. And on 
a couple of videos that we've been seeing online of him recently, he's been sporting this, uh, a new base, which people have been like, um, excuse me, what is that? And it is essentially his same base, but with that Music Man humbucker split into two like jazz pickups, essentially. Um, And that's what this new one is, the Joe Dart 2, whether that's because it's 2.0 or whether it's because it's now two pickups. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I I don't know what the thought process is there, but yeah, you know, look pretty cool if you're you're interested in that kind of thing. It does. It's Um, a pretty cool looking base. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I'm a sucker for a Stingray. Um, mm. That sounded like a song, like a '60s song title, then or something. Like <laughs> a stingray. for a stingray. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Joe Dart two. Let's just give it a quick Google to see how much this thing is. I mean, oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> yep. I mean, I've just, I haven't even got to that yet because what I've just seen is um, the price of a second hand <laughs> last generation one. It's two and a half grand. Too. Yep. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, okay, well, I'm going to endeavor to try and find the price of this. Oh, I can see, you know, th- I actually did a quick Google before starting this podcast to see about if there's any more news. And this has literally just been announced at time of recording. Uh, so Wolfpack, like two hours ago, put out a video on it. Um, oh gosh, yeah. Yeah, okay. It, okay, it's $2,700. Um, oh no. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think I'll be getting that. Uh, but hey, I'm excited. It's it's cool regardless. Um, I really like big magnet pole pieces. Mm. Uh, I had a Schecter, oh, I can't remember the name of it, just like a J4, I think they're called, the old ones, um, uh, jazz bass. And that had yep. like the big pole pieces in uh, the jazz bass. I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah, and it, it just gives you like this bit warmer, fatter sound, I think. Mm. Um, it's a bit like the Sandbergs or um, Delano pickups. They've got it yeah. as well. Or um, and, and Music Man style humbuckers. Uh, yeah, I really like those. And I'm sure this, I haven't heard this bass yet. Uh, but after this, I'm going to be taking a listen for sure. Yeah. Oh, so um, <laughs> there, there's probably someone listening to this podcast going, wow, I'm going to be very poor now. <laughs> <laughs> they buy all of those bases we talked about today apart from the Harley um, Benton oh yeah exactly oh that is that is balancing it out big time <laughs> <laughs> amazing right let's move on to our second question question number two comes from oh gosh sorry I can't read my phone very well um it comes from Jay Ramillo uh on I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
Instagram who has asked, um, how do you even get started with booking gigs and studio sessions? Um, I'm going to hold my hands up here. I'm I'm pretty novice to this booking gigs and studio sessions malarkey because I'm not really that kind of bass player. Mm. Um, I don't debt much. I'm not much of a session player. I offer those services, but it's very rare that, you know, I don't actively offer it. It's just more of a, hey, like, yeah. do something, let's do something. I, it's not something I push. I don't, I don't have time, to be honest, at the minute. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Yeah, it's, it's wild, isn't it? It's when you grow up and time, yeah. you start losing time. Ugh. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so, but I can kind of offer a little bit of wisdom, I suppose. Um, now, with your extremely busy schedule as well, um are you kind of doing much studio or booking gigs out and things like that at the minute so not as much as you would think a lot of this stuff is kind of happening at home and like I wish there was more gigs in the lineup but it's really difficult to actually find gigs at the moment especially after the last kind of two years but really the best way to kind of go about booking gigs especially at this level is just email, phone, message as many venues as you can and hope that some of them reply to you, which is really difficult because a lot of them don't. And it's amazing Mm. how hard it is to actually get a venue to book you. But kind of, it's worth trying anyway. So it really is just a case of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And then eventually you'll kind of start building up a rapport with certain venues and then those venues will kind of mention you other venues will see you so it it really all kind of is just a case of keep trying basically absolutely and you never like with networking like that you never know what um opportunities will come up from another Mm. opportunity that is you know just how it works you get work from work essentially Um, um like in a similar thing the way i ended up in the band that i'm in is from doing depth work on that where I mentioned that I didn't play guitar yeah uh, it was for that band that I met their drummer who knew another drummer who is now the drummer in the trio who I play bass in so it's Uh kind of you never know how things are going to work out yeah it's the same for me as well I did was doing a Nirvana covers band just for a one-off gig Mm. um, and I met the I met the singer because I sold him a pedal and wow. he knew I was selling the pedal because I he saw the video I did yeah. on it. And like it all linked back. And then so we did that. And then the guitarist and drummer of that band, I've now done a Foo Fighters thing with them. You know, like wow. it, it all just comes from that. Um so but yeah. then it's easier said than done to just like get that going. Um yeah. especially if you're just starting out. Um so I think the the key point is is that it's 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 all networking at the end of the day. Like mm. you like you said, you send off a hundred emails and you might only get three back, but those three are gonna be, you know, you never know what's gonna come from those. Exactly. So don't be um dismayed if you aren't hearing back from these people mm. because there will be some that do. Um and when you do, that's great. It's the same yeah. with with for me at the minute, you know, I'll contact companies being like hey send me stuff send me stuff let's work together i will promote your you know like i'll do a video on it you know on your mm. gear um and you know nine times out of ten they don't reply because yeah. um, I, sh- I shoot high i aim high and they're like <laughs> hey 
Hey, Fender, Fender. Hey, don't ask. Pick me. Don't pick me. Ex- exactly. That is the um, that is the thing to live by. Don't ask, don't get. And you just have to put yourself out there. The other thing is, is that start building up a portfolio as well, because nobody's going to book you if you don't have some kind of presence, whether it yeah. be online, you know, on a website or on Instagram. You know, I one of the previous guests on here, um, Mealy Trail, who's a theatre bassist, was saying that she actually thinks that every single one of her theatre jobs has come via Instagram. Mm. Uh, and that just shows how powerful it can be. Um, even yeah. if you're just posting a little clip, you know, uh, and doing or doing a reel about it or something like that, you know, it reaches so many more people than that one email to someone. Yeah. Might. And you, know, you can... Of- con- I kind of think of it as like if someone asked you if they could come and visit your house and you looked online, you couldn't find anything about them. You didn't know what they looked like, what kind of a person they were. You wouldn't necessarily go, yes, come on over. But if you looked at their oh, profile, that's why like, I've been going. That's why I've been going wrong all these years. It is kind of like you want the information out there that they're going to be able to find and know that, okay, you can play this. You play this style. You're able to do this. Uh, just basically, you want any information out there that they might need in order to trust you enough to book you. Yeah, that's basically what it comes down to when you're building up Instagram. Is just make sure you've got all the necessary information out there. Yeah, absolutely, and like, uh, and and you know, you know as well as I do, having your, your highlights set up with all the things that you you've got going on, all your experience, uh, the link in your bio with a load of things. You know, you you've really got to maximize uh, all the platforms that you're using as well. Really work with them uh, yeah. to to get the most out of it and to mm. really push your profile further. You know, I'm saying this. I I've got under three thousand followers, so you know, I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm not doing it all right, obviously. But um, it's hard uh, work, it's, though. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a slow burn. And I think yeah. that's something that people need to understand as well, is it's not mm. necessarily, unless you're doing viral content, it's not necessarily going to explode overnight. Yeah, um, Plus, I think uh, a slow burn in a lot of cases is actually better for longevity because quite yes. often you get people that are like, they'll blow up on Instagram, they're an overnight sensation, and then two or three years you never hear anything of them. But 100%. I think, yeah, if you build it up as, agonizingly slow as it is it's really important because you're then building up a pretty solid fan base and that's never really going to leave you no matter what you do totally i 100% agree um and that's i I see that sometimes in like when you look at uh people's spotify's and you Mm -hmm. see like wow they've got a lot of listens but not a lot of followers well, like yeah. not a lot of people engaging like with them or, and that is, or like I saw a band that had like millions of streams and then go on Instagram. They had like hardly any followers. Yeah. And I was like, well, clearly this isn't uh, trans, you know, this not creating a memorable impact on these people. Yeah. They're liking the song, but they're not coming back for more. And exactly. that's what you kind of, you have to give. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think about it with like uh, TikTok as well. And mm. like short form or long form content, like, TikTok terrifies me a little bit when I think about, I love it. I think it's great. But um, when 
because like like what happened to Vine when Vine disappeared, all these people making six second long videos yeah. all of a sudden went onto YouTube, where the platform is encouraging you to do like ten minute videos. Mm. Uh, and so like the content is so stretched over that yeah. time, and it's just like, oh god, it's, what is this? You well, know, I, again, so, it's like uh, as you say, that stuff can disappear. So you really want to make sure that you haven't built your entire life only on that, like. If you if all of that stuff was to disappear overnight, would you what would you be? Would you still be a musician? Would you still have stuff to kind of look back on and fall back on and say, okay, well I'm still this and I can still offer you this and I can still do that. You don't want to mm. just kind of fall back onto ah, I do these viral videos for this. I can't. I don't really do. If that was to disappear, there wouldn't be much that I could do. I'd kind of have to work on building that up. So I think it's kind of good to just as organically as you can integrate your music into social media because it's that kind of necessary evil. But it can be great and it can be frustrating, but it is necessary either way. So, yeah, absolutely. And like end of the day, if someone's going to Google your name, that SEO has got to be working in your favor. You know, you you have to be that top result that comes up or if someone's just like, "Hmm, what is what's this guy or girl about? You know, like, yeah. There they are. I can see that clearly, <laughs> and it looks good and professional and and, and whatnot. Um, mm. So, so yeah, I, I hope this kind of gave some wisdom or, or answered the question. It's um, quite a, a tough one to like give a direct answer to because there's so it many is. factors. It's like one thing leads to another. So yeah, exactly, and it's kind of uh, be prepared, uh, get your profile sorted, and it's kind of who you always remember. It's who you know, not what you know sometimes as mm. well so it's all about those contacts that you have and i i full well know trying to book bands for my own originals band you know back in the day is is a nightmare you know and i'll be like mm. oh god like i don't know anyone how do i do this and it's so hard to make that step to to get off the ground but you know uh so I, so i feel you there uh on um you know struggling to get started with this kind of thing because I, I know what it's like um but yeah yeah i, ho- I hope there's some kind of pictures of wisdom in there that you can uh, apply oh. <laughs> just stick so at it was... basically yeah yeah keep keep going you got this thank us in the future <laughs> um let's let's move on to the next segment This section is called That Tone You Own. It's one of my favorite sections sex, sections of the podcast uh, because I get to shut up and listen to some wonderful bass tones. Um, so each week I ask our guests to bring along a tone of theirs, whether it's their tone that they consider to be their own sound or just something they're enjoying at the minute. You know, it doesn't have to be a signature sound because some people like the same sounds at the end of the day. Um, now, Cece, I asked you to bring along a tone. I didn't ask you to destroy my ear holes and my speakers <laughs> with wonderful uh, sounds like this. Uh, so <laughs> uh, let's have a listen to, uh, or let's have the let the audience listen to what we're talking about here.
I had uh, my headphones on pretty loud from doing yeah. some editing. Uh, and uh, so then when I clicked play on your um, file, uh, yeah, blew my head off. Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised. Hey, it's furious uh, for a reason. Exactly. Because, yes, because when, when you said that word at the start, I was like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, really gnarly, punchy tone we've got here and lots of effects going on. There's two, a um, couple of different sounds in there as well, different samples that we've got going on. And I can definitely hear what you were talking about earlier in the podcast about, yeah. you know, that melancholy, uh, that melantone, you know, coming, coming in, <laughs> um, <laughs> coming in and, uh, and giving us those, all those different flavors. And yeah, yeah it sounds so good. So I wonder Thank if you. you can break down or, or talk us through the sounds that yeah, are going sure. on here so the first half of that clip the, the gnarly bits yep. i'm gonna hazard a guess and i might be wrong here but it sounds p bass-esque that sound yep it's the sector <laughs> <laughs> nice yep so it's that and then i've got well at the moment i'm using the line 6 hx with a distortion which is based off the ibanez tube screamer um and oh. yep on top of that, basically, I pretty much always play with reverb, even with that distorted tone. So there's a reverb going on and the distortion, and then obviously the P-bass kind of sound in there as well. Um, and a lot of it also comes from, again, because I play quite hard as well, that adds to the sound. So it's really, to me, I like it to sound like a kind of snarling dog trying to get at you. It's like that kind of sound. <laughs> but less now. then you're the one with the holding the chain on the end. Exactly, like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, controlling it. it. I like yeah. the challenge of kind of like wrangling an instrument. I think it's great. It feels I amazing. But yeah, so that's pretty much that sound. The second one is the more melodic thing. Again, it's that Jekyll and Hyde thing of really aggressive and then really melancholy and ambient. Mm. But again, that's pretty much just uh, everything middled on the bass um, and just maxed out reverb. Because the thing is as well, I use a lot more reverb than it sounds like because when you record something, reverb tends to disappear. So what's in that tone in the rooms actually sounds like there's a lot more reverb than comes yeah, across Yeah, we naturally get the resonance of the room as well, yeah. aren't we then as well? exactly. So... That's pretty much it. And uh, I tend to move between playing over the, uh, well, if the bass has it, I'll move between the bridge and the neck pickup, depending on what, how warm I want something to sound or how trebly, and uh, play as calmly as possible. But yeah, but not much to that sound. It's pretty much just reverb and that melancholy kind of thing going on. Yeah, well, it sounds, you know, in that sound, it sounds like there's loads going on, but obviously mm. I know a lot of sound comes from your fingies. Fingies? That's not <laughs> what I meant to say. <laughs> fingies and tootsies I've got here. Um, yeah, and uh, so let's start with that that first sound, the, the Tube Screamer. Have you got that on a separate like channel on the HX Stomp? Or is it... Uh, no, one... so because it's the... Um, yeah, the Line 6 HX, it's basically just one patch, which I'll talk through everything I've got on it, so I've got two distortions and I have one running pretty much all the time and then the other one will come on occasionally for certain mm -hmm. sections of songs. 
um, and underneath everything. So I've got all the effects laid out that I can press. And then the HX is really cool in that you can run effects in the background. So because I always play with reverb, rather than take up an extra slot, I have the reverb set in the background. And then that leaves room for different effects like particle oh, okay. verb and things like that. Mm. So, yeah, uh, other things I have on there are delay, um, particle verb, which is basically a reverb that kind of feeds into itself and sparkles out, for lack of a better way to put it. I can only describe it how I see it. So, uh, do you know what though? I love that. I love people that do that. Um, do you know the guitarist Yvette Young? I uh, I know the name. Yeah, she's got like this green sparkly Talman Ibanez signature. Yeah. Um, and uh, she is from the band Covet. 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 Can't remember how you pronounce yeah. it. But she's she's actually one of my favorite guitar players because she's cool. uh, she's insanely melodic in the way that she plays and she, oh, incredible. Um, yeah. But um, she she was on Andertons, I think, once on one of the Captain meets. Ah. Um, uh, I think I might have seen her. She yeah. she's awesome. I, I love her. I think she's yeah. great. I really um, want to check her out now. Yeah, she's really cool. Um, but um. Or I was the same. Yeah, she the way that she describes, she's like a really classical piano player as well. And then mm. she said the way that she she always like sees sounds and textures that she yep. wants. I and I was like, thing. oh, I love that. Like, and I, I, yeah, I, I can kind of, I, I, I feel like I've not tapped into that sense, mm. but I totally know what she's talking about. Yeah, um, I think because um, I've got this thing called synesthesia, which so I can see sounds and certain stuff, certain. Uh, things I can smell or taste but it's mainly that I'll see sounds and there's a theory that everyone is born with that but in certain people your brain doesn't the part of your brain that causes that doesn't detach so when you're a baby you're born with that because it helps you form connections to understand the world and then as you grow up because you understand it you no longer need that part of your brain to work in that way so wow yeah. But in certain people, that doesn't go away, so they end up with synesthesia. But I think everyone can kind of, everyone kind of seems to have some form of that to an extent anyway. Because, like, I'm pretty sure if you describe a sound as it looks muddy, like, basically everyone will know what you mean. So I think yeah. it makes sense that everyone has a bit of that going on to an extent anyway. God, that just blew my mind a little bit. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I, I never knew that. Oh, yeah. I this podcast. I, I learn something <laughs> new every single time. It's brilliant. Um, I mean, oh, I, awesome. I'm definitely not an expert on it, but that's uh, what they've been kind of studying on it. They're still learning yeah. about it, but yeah. So does that kind of um, bring into your love of reverbs then, especially on bass? You know, yeah. It kind of, it's, a, it's a, such a background texture, especially it, in that it, sound as well. Yeah, because the way reverb looks to me is, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of how to describe it. You know, if you have like a bubble and it's got that translucent look that kind of moves around, that's how yeah. reverb looks to me. And then there's textures on top of that, depending on what's going on in the music. Mm. And uh, that's part of, it's really helpful because when I'm learning by ear, which is, pretty much how i do stuff because i'm not great with uh tabs or anything like that um yeah it's really helpful and when i'm trying to if i'm trying to emulate someone's tone because i can see how it looks it just gives me an extra bit of 
like information on what I need to do to make if it looks the same it generally sounds the same if that makes any sense is this was this your audition for sounds like <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I know how to how to recreate people's sounds because I can see it no but I, I don't know why they asked me but um yeah like, like I was saying earlier I was so nervous for that and everyone thought I was so calm but there's this weird thing going on where the more nervous I am the more calm I look it's when I'm relaxed is when I'm more hyperactive and talkative but everyone thinks I'm really calm which kind of works in my favor but yeah <laughs> well you've been plenty <laughs> chatty on here so I'm glad that you, know, <laughs> that you haven't been uh, nervous or anything like that so you know shining yeah. through shining through yeah, thank you. Uh, a podcast is not the place to be to to be calm and quiet <laughs> <laughs> there was um, um, one thing as well just going back to tone mm. that I wanted to mention to see if anyone else feels the same way is you know on guitar amps they'll ha- quite often have built-in reverb and uh drive i wish mm-hmm. more bass amps had that built in and yeah, that we had more options i'll be honest reverb isn't something that i really delved into that much with bass mm. um i'm very much like my like my essentials are like um a pre a, a preamp on the board um at some kind of distortion and a compressor not in that order but like yeah uh, compressor is a big one for me that i uh, always like to have yep um, compressor yeah I, 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 hell i think a compressor if anything is is the thing on the end of the chain of the snarling dog it really you know? is yeah yeah <laughs> Um, holding it all back from exploding in your <laughs> face. Um, what was I saying? Can't remember. Those are my essentials. Um, um, reverb. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I. So I've. So. Yeah. So I'm quite fortunate in that way that a lot of amps, you know, if they're going to have something, they normally have like a built-in compressor or, or drive, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, reverb I think could be really cool. I'm definitely going to explore more with it now um, mm. because I kind of. It's interesting when you said about seeing it. And my mind instantly went to like some reason, some reason I see a reverb as like a, almost like a mist and a gas yep. around the sound. Um, funny, that's where my mind ones, went. Certain ones do look like that, depending. So yeah. <laughs> ah, interesting. Yeah. So like where it's just, I suppose it's filling out that frequency, isn't it, with uh, this like wider yeah. open sound. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could, well, I could talk for ages about that stuff, but I won't. Uh... Yeah. That's that's a whole, I keep saying it, a whole other podcast idea. It is, right there. yeah. <laughs> I, did, uh, oh. I did a video on it, but again, it's pretty long, so <laughs> I don't want to bore anyone <laughs> with that. Well, I'll uh, I'll try and remember to put a link to it in the description of this because I'm sure many oh, people will you. be like really interested in, in checking that out. Oh, thank um, you. Yeah, no worries if you can't. <laughs> it's just if if I remember, that's that's what it sends you on. I want to, and I will if I can. Um, let's move on. Thank you so much for bringing along uh, those tones. Sounds so good. Oh, actually, uh, before we go anywhere, um, what what's the what's the amp in the, in those tones? Are you going through the Ashdown rig there? And yep. So it? it's the Ashdown ABM six hundred Evo four, and I've got uh, Mesa Boogie cab mic'd up, which has EV speakers in it. Um, but quite often live, I use um, uh, an Ashdown cab, like a 410 most of the time. Uh, it's mainly the amp that's giving it the sound and the and the pedals. So, yeah, yeah, big Ashdown fan as well. So. Nice one. Yeah, my, I, I think my first, like, 
proper rig was a Ashdown ABM. Setup. Really? Yeah, but it's yeah. like the 500 Evo 3. So you've got the, yeah. I've got the 600 Evo 4. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> you've come a long way. <laughs> Bloody hell. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, oh, they're, they're incredible amps. And so uh, yeah. tuby and warm feeling. Yum, yeah. Yum, yum, yum. Um, awesome. Well, thank you so much. Let us move on to the final segment of the podcast. So this is the last, oh, there's a single tear running down my face. This is the last segment uh, of the show, um, but it is, of course, the big base debate. Uh, it's not really a debate because we're not going to be going like head to head or anything. It's just a question that I thought, hey, that will be a good uh, clickable title, right? <laughs> That's the main topic we're talking about today. Um, and I think this will be quite a big topic because I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on, on what you've played on this because it comes from uh, Tater and Ater. <laughs> I mean... That's all it needs, isn't it? Um, on Instagram, I love your name. Um, says, what is the best cheap bass you've played? They put in brackets, kind of thinking around the the $300 mark. Now, I said dollar. I'm going to change it to £300 mark because I think that's a good, you know, for us Brits. Yep. Um, that's probably a, a good uh, level of guitars to talk about that's underneath that um, price range. Um, so, yeah. 300 pounds um now the the brands that spring to mind you know there are offerings from squire in this price range there are offerings from ibanez uh you know loads really um i'm just trying to think of the top ones uh gretch of course yeah um uh, sterling oh, i don't think they're quite under 300 pounds now anymore i think they're they're creeping over 300 with the subseries um and uh harley benton of course um who we spoke about earlier um now have i mentioned any of the brands that you were gonna talk about there uh yeah because the main one i was gonna say is the ibanez sound gear sr 300 which uh. I, i'm pretty sure they're about 279 still and that's what i started out on and i've still got my first ever bass and it's absolutely amazing it, it still wow. holds up today so yeah, for the price, just absolutely awesome. Incredible! I I can't. I'm I'm really sad that I don't have my first bass. It was like Aww. a really cheap off brand. It was it was a, called a cheetah. Like the animal. <laughs> Amazing! Uh, like uh, that was the brand, and it was like a really cheap P bass copy, uh, which was just absolute ass. But I'd love. <laughs> I've I've really wanted to try and do a video series on trying to track it down to try and yeah. find it see where it is but it's been too long i think it's been too long um and i because i swapped it for an ipod <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so stupid so stupid um shows how old i am as well yeah, yeah um, i remember ipods yeah it, it's weird isn't it i'm like yeah i i, I still got an ipod classic and mm. it's what we use for our band backing tracks because <laughs> it, it's really? got so much yeah because it's got so much battery life on it yeah um, they're amazing it's like, yeah, it's perfect for it, but it means that I've got a, like the charger broke for it, so I had to buy oh. a new new iPod Classic charger. You try finding <laughs> one of them. Yeah, I bet that was difficult. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, <laughs> definitely uh, digressing there. Um, the Ibanez. Going back to your first base. Yep. Um, you know, remind me, is that a PJ configuration one? Uh, no, it's two. Uh, it's basically two soap bar pickups. 
So nice. Oh, right. Uh, and like it's, it's like, an like a high-end Ibanez. Yeah. yeah, basically. Oh, yes. I, in fact, I think I'm thinking even more affordable with like the passive PJ Ibanez. Yeah. Um, I think I know the one you mean now. Yeah. Um, awesome. What is it about that base then that, you know, has made it one of the best for you? For that so base? it's really diverse. But there's so many factors, but it feels amazing to play. And because they're quite dainty, but they, they don't feel flimsy, but they're just so easy to get around and they just feel so well built, which they are clearly because it's there's, I've not had a single problem with it in like 12, nearly 12 years that I've had it and yeah. I've played it so much. Uh, it sounds amazing. It's really diverse. And because again, it's active, it's got that three band EQ I was talking about. So if you don't have any other, any pedals or a particularly great amp, you've still got that to fall back on and you're pretty much away. It just, it's a great base. I, c- I just can't really fault it. Yeah, you're like, well, what? do I want to upgrade anything on it? Not really. And Yeah, exactly. So- sometimes you could be, and because it's, you know, a first base as well, you almost don't want to take that sacredness away from it. Like, yeah. I, can, like, I don't want to taint it by changing it and then exactly. ruining it. You know, because because yeah. I think mods can sometimes ruin a base. I've modded yeah. a base before and been like, I don't like it anymore. Yeah, don't like it anymore. It's, it's not like it all out of it. Exactly that. Exactly. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm not the biggest modder in the mm. world. I like doing like little aesthetic mods, but not yeah. like big ones myself. I, yeah, you're, you're totally right about that. So. Um, um, there was there was one more as well, just to quickly mention uh, mm, on yeah. the uber cheap price range is the East Coast MB4, which I think is about Ooh. 170. And that is an absolutely awesome base. My only kind of, if I could pick one fault with it, is that the preamp in it is a little bit noisy. When you're playing, that's not a problem because it goes away, but it's kind of like in between playing. Unless you turn the volume down, you have a kind of a bit of a rumble going on quietly but yeah that that is i think that is a thing um with because when we talk about like cheap really affordable bases normally Mm. when people are gonna buy one for the first time i'm normally like don't get an active one yeah probably avoid like get something passive Mm. where the where that little amount of money has gone into fewer components yeah it's almost less to go wrong yeah you know um yeah I i totally agree with you on that one so and, and, a... and I know that the two that you mentioned have been active, <laughs> um, yeah. but but um, that's not to say that they're not good examples. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think the one that's in the East Coast is like the cheapest of the cheap preamps, whereas the one that's in the Ibanez SR300 is a slightly higher range one, which I guess mm. is what gets, partly what gives it the slightly higher price range as well. But yeah, <laughs> It's kind of, they can be a bit hit and miss on extremely cheap bases. So like you say, a, a passive base could could be that bit better suited. But there are definitely good active bases out there that are really cheap. It's just a case of looking around and finding them. Yeah, absolutely. And I was hoping to find that with the Ibanez Talman, the TMB 100 that I yep. had. I forgot the name of it then. Um, because I thought I kind of dig the weird looking nature of this thing. And, you know, uh, I think it could be pretty good. I've heard pretty good things. And it was a good base apart from the preamp. And I thought the pickup mm. was 
not great. Um, that yeah. was one of those cases where the preamp was unusable in places where like really? you turn the like you turn the bass up and it's like who would why is it this much? It was just so like really like, well, like just so like farty <laughs> and, and horrible sounding. Yeah. And then the treble is like way too clangy. And I you know, I like a clangy bassy bass. Um yeah. but that was way too much. And I'm like, why that's just unusable? Why would you ever want that? Even with like pretty modest uh tone dialed in on the amp you know yeah um so sometimes i think cheaper preamps can have that kind of nature mm. uh where it's like uh who would want this is just not that yeah. function not functional um yeah. so i kind of wished with that bass that they had got rid of the preamp completely mm. and had it just be better pickups on in a passive bass where the yeah. money's spent spent better elsewhere yeah um so uh, that's an example of you know, and I liked that bass because it it felt really nice. I kind of mm. I sold it, and as as I was waiting because the guy was going to come pick it up, um, and in that time I lo- I grew to love it even oh, more. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. When it turned into a one another one that got away, you know. Um, I mean, I guess uh, if you really love a bass like the East Coast MB4, like the way it feels and the way it sounds is absolutely awesome. So I guess if you ever have the money, you could always upgrade the preamp itself. Still have the bass. It's always an option as well. Yeah. And it's not going to take away the soul of the bass necessarily mm. because it's a part of the, of it of which you don't like, you know, so yeah, you're not, exactly. you're all good there. Um, with, um, so to get, moving on to other bases, um, one that's turned into a bit of a controversial one now, uh, one that I really like is the Gretsch, G two 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 two. He's got millions of twos. Zero <laughs> electromatic junior jet two, um, which is like the short scale one that Mike Kerr from Royal Blood played yeah. or played. I don't know if he still does. Um, and I've got it. You can, I mean, you can't see it. It's on my wall there. But um, awesome, incredible bases um, for under three hundred pounds. Like they're unreal like they feel so short scale bases they feel so good it sounds like it just feels so the, the pickups just feel so right in that bass but now there's a dis- big disclaimer because low and lobsters revealed um that they are and we discussed this as like the main topic on last week's podcast yeah. actually so i won't go too much into it but that they are actually misleading people by saying they're humbuckers when they're actually single coils um it's been this whole controversy <laughs> about it yeah um wow. but but that doesn't take away from it, and I said this last week, it doesn't take away from it being a great bass. And mm. so I had to mention it in, in this segment of under £300 because it's yeah. a mind-blowingly good bass. And if you're after a short scale, I always recommend that one because it just yep. sounds awesome. Um, Squire, talking about Squire. Now, I want to try some more of the modern affinity range. I've only tried the Jaguar, the 2021 Jaguar um like the medium scale one with the single humbucker and i thought it was fine i thought it was okay i didn't love it just but i think that's because of the nature of what it was not necessarily because of the quality um i think they've upped their game but um i i can't say that squire is the first the affinity range is the first name that i go to when i think the best cheap bases i've played for that price you know um so actually one of my main recommendations comes from uh the brand i don't know if you know it, sx uh, it rings a bell. So they've been going for a long time um, and they make 
super affordable bases um mm. second hand as well you can get them for like 100 quid oh nice uh, and they're mainly like uh p bases jazz bases and i think they do a war a warwick uh base as well um and the p base i had it was incredible mm. <laughs> it was it felt so good to play the script like the i couldn't fault it nearly um the pickup maybe wasn't it was a tiny bit muddier than um than the squire maybe but it wasn't enough that I was like, oh no, this is a trash base, really bad. Um, <laughs> it was awesome, and I, I love, really like that brand now because of it. Yeah, and I just think that they they do really cool stuff, and you can find them in like cash converters and places like that, which is amazing. Um, of course, awesome. we're we're talking about um, you know new the new price three hundred. If you go in second hand, that's you know that's a whole other yeah. ballpark. Um, but for yeah, for, for for new bases, that's that's certainly a, a cool option and there are other budget brands as well like uh vintage um and you know you said east, east coast do do a whole range of bases for that price mm. range i think i'm trying to think of it, of others but vintage oh, yeah. i think is an interesting one um where I mean, i've not played them for a few years though yeah um i know their old stuff was really good but i know they've changed factory so mm. i'm not sure if they're still as good as they were Mm. but depends what model you can find yeah absolutely um so yeah we we won't be recommending vintage this time <laughs> um Just yeah my, my, my exactly <laughs> mine probably goes to, to to sx um i feel guilty giving it to gretch <laughs> with, <laughs> with the current controversy um so so yeah i think i think that's probably the our range of the best ones we've played i know i just know after this podcast i'm gonna go oh my god i didn't I mention that one and i'm probably gonna to have to like edit it in later <laughs> <laughs> but, oh yeah by the way i remembered what it was it's actually this um but yeah i i think that i think that pretty much pretty much wraps it up and some some great uh different ranges and different types of bases i think we've got in there uh so yeah good work i think we've i think we've smashed it on that one yeah um so that's unfortunately it's a positive note, but it brings us to the end of our podcast, Aww. which is, you know, big sad times, big sad times. Um, CC, thank you so much for coming on. Um, oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. No, 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 no. I'll be having none of that. Um, <laughs> it's, it's been an absolute pleasure. You, you know, been amazing. I hope that, you know, if, if you're up for it, you can come back on sometime because oh, that's absolutely loved it. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, good. I'm glad. Yeah. It, you know, that, that's how I want this podcast to run, that if guests want yeah. to come back, they can. That's why it's a co-host, because we just talk oh. talk the shizzles about bass rather than focusing on specifics, you know, like it's just, just a fun time. <laughs> just a yeah. fun time all around. Always um, up for that. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so this is your time to shine now. Um, you need to tell the people where you're at, what you're doing right now, where they can find you. Go okay. So I'm really pushing my YouTube channel at the moment, which is CC Base. And that's CC as in C-I-C-I, not CC, as a lot of people seem to think. So really <laughs> pushing that. Um, I do a lot of demos. Uh, I talk about various things like why I started playing bass um, and the synesthesia thing. Uh, cover all sorts of things and I upload original music on there and occasionally covers if I can get away with them. Um, I'm on Instagram as Worcestershire, so that's Worcester as in the town of Worcestershire and Farian. 
pretty easy to find. But uh, you can also find me on Instagram if you search CC Base or Karina Powell. Um, I'm on Bandcamp as well under the same name, CC Powell, CC Base. Um, where else actually am I? <laughs> this is the bit where I forget what other platforms I'm on. Bebo I'm on and MySpace. What's that? Bebo and MySpace. Yeah, yeah, they're the ones. LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> you can see my whole profile on there. All of my accolades and everything. But, um, yes. So, there's that. I'm currently working on a solo album. Well, it was going to be solo, but I've decided I kind of want to add in a few different, uh, like, guest artists as well, because I think it would be really cool to have other input. So, that's in the making. One of them is Dave Abrazi's who was the drummer in Pearl Jam, which I'm really excited about and really grateful that he wants to be part of it. So there's okay. that going really cool. on. And uh, I also play bass in the Dave Simpson Trio, and we have an album out on Bandcamp. So that's pretty much it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so much. Uh, yeah, links <laughs> for everything or, or most things I'll try and put in Some the of description it. of all of these as well. Yeah, so uh, head down there and go check it out. Um, make sure that you are leaving lovely reviews, five-star reviews, please. Only five stars, um, unless it's out of more. Actually, oh my God, have I been recommending five stars and it's actually out of ten? <laughs> that, that would be really bad. <laughs> like, five yeah, out of ten this, every time. It's fine. It's fine, this podcast. Um, no, I, th- I think it's five stars. I think it is. I know on Spotify it is, so that I'll just go with that. Um, yeah, wherever you're listening to this, if it's on YouTube, drop us a like, drop us a comment, hit that subscribe button, uh, and ev- everywhere else. Yeah, make sure you're following the podcast. Follow me on Instagram uh, at Johnny Dibble uh, to get involved and uh, yeah, join join the community and uh, let's uh, keep growing this thing together because love talking to different people on here and and to you guys at home as well so yeah reach out and uh let's 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 catch you up online baby um okie dokie um that brings us to the end everybody thank you so much for listening see you next time Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free warbyparker.com slash covered.